everybody, Mansip Khan here, and you are tuning in to the Fintech Friday podcast. Today, I have an absolutely incredible guest. You may have heard of him before. All right, we got Gary Schwartz from Pegasus Fintech. If you haven't seen any of his blog posts on Medium or if you haven't seen any of his stuff on LinkedIn, you are truly missing out. It's an absolute goldmine of information. Gary, thank you so much for making it here. Hey, hey thank, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you inviting me on. No, no, absolutely. For the audience, could you just give a minute of who you are and a little bit of what Pegasus is? Sure. So, so I'm, um, you know, I'm a fintech guy. I, I've been in the space for 25 years as an entrepreneur, right? So I've dotted a number of companies in the space, everything from obviously fintech through to health tech, uh, martech, ad tech social tech, et cetera, you know, starting them as, as baby upstarts in, in the garage and taking them through to exit. So that's what, what I do. And it's sort of a natural progression that the blockchain space is hugely attractive for uh, an entrepreneur because it facilitates the growth of a business in a very aggressive fashion. And Pegasus was conceived of about a year back uh, with a bunch of folk with different skill sets uh, that got together to accelerate incredible uh, use cases on the blockchain. And uh, we all bring different skill sets to the table. Our CEO uh, headed up blockchain for Accenture in the Valley. She did all the due diligence on Ripple. She comes with a wealth of information and insights into you know, framework and, and governance and, and other team members, uh, you know, focus on structure and compliance. And, you know, I'm the, uh, the, the sort of soapbox guy that works on strategy and positioning. And, and we just got an amazing team. And we work with companies all around the world in accelerating the use case and driving their capital formation goals. That's incredible. Could you, so speaking of Ripple, could you, I guess, deep dive a little bit and talk about the difference between a crypto investor compared to the regular traditional street investor? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that's what really we're all grappling with right now is, you know, uh, the crypto community is a evangelist community. They're very different from what we would treat of as the incumbent investor. They're sort of the anti-investor, right? So you, you look at them as sort of a little bit libertarian, you know, Wild West posse guys um, that at least out of the gates in the 90s, that, that, that was the birthing ground of, of, you know, what we now know as the blockchain. It was very much, you know, zip drive and shotgun under the pillow, you know, very anti-establishment, which is fantastic, right? Because that's the roots of what we know of as a blockchain and the, the first currencies that came out like Bitcoin, right? But when you're an incumbent investor, you look at, and it is incredibly scary, it's not the structure that you expect of as a traditional, you know, main street investor. At Pegasus, look at this, you know, we talk about, you know, we have this analogy where we talk about, uh, there's a mountain, right? And it's, and it's sitting right smack in the middle of this marketplace. On one side of the marketplace, you get these crypto bugs. On the other side of the marketplace, you get your incumbent investors in the street. And they really can't see each other. And, and they just, they, they look across and, and on one side, they think of, you know, incumbent investors look across and go, oh, it's a wild west. I don't want to touch it. And then the crypto investors look across at the street and think of them, you know, think of the street as dinosaurs, right? Our job is 
to tunnel a hole between these two sides. Really, when you think about it, the, um, the crypto community know that they need more structure. They know that they need things that the street has nailed. The street wants to you know, take advantage of this new marketplace with this fluidity, the opportunities that are obviously in this new, more fluid marketplace. So the whole goal is to really get the vernacular consistent across both sides and get the things in place so that uh, you know, what uh, the crypto community self-policed now becomes more what the street sees as compliance. And so that whole structure and nomenclature around compliance, you know, for the street to know that they're, if they're investing in something that's a security, that they're holding provisions, that, that people aren't taking their cash out early and, and leaving the other uh, investors, you know, holding the bag. The early days of folk taking their money and buying Lambos, I think, is gone. The two sides of meeting. What, what I find so interesting about community is the libertarian the crypto community uh, is very much what I refer to as a me and we marketplace. They like the street. They care about making profit. They care about, you know, doing well with their uh, investments. And so that's the me. You know, what's in it for me? But there's a very much, I think, a huge group of individuals that care about the we. What does this mean to the global economy? What does this mean to the future of, of the, the marketplaces? Um, what does this mean to the environment? What is, is this an impact investment or not? You know, think of this as, my analogy is sort of like, uh, you know, it's a sugary donut, right? So you have sugar on one side, uh, you know, the me, you want the sugar on the other side, and, but there's a big hole in the middle. And the hole in the middle is great because these guys don't want the middle. They don't want government banks, multinationals. They, they want that minimized. Now, that story is great. And if it's optimized, it creates huge opportunities for incumbent investors to come in and appeal to the me, create a me scenarios that they know how to do. You know, how do I take advantage? How do I drive liquidity? And the we side, you know, what are the models for the new economy? Um, models that will really not just make the, the middle fatter, but actually get to the end constituents, the people that really need that cash to drive their businesses, to drive their services. So I think there's huge advantages uh, to this new economy. And we just have to make sure that the incumbent street you know, sees how they can play safely. I absolutely agree with you. I think it should be interesting to see how regulation and institutions come in and build that bridge between crypto investors, street investors. It should the boats left the harbor, not just SEC throwing out subpoenas. It's guys proactively understanding that they need to work within the structures that are out there. So, uh, you know, security is a security is a security. Yes, a utility token is not a security, but it still needs to be on a compliant uh, exchange. It needs to drive liquidity uh, and therefore needs to be on an exchange which can manage that to the highest possible standards of the marketplace. I know that you focus on market use cases, right? So what is a key use case for most ICOs that you're seeing? Yeah, you know what? There's such exciting stories out there of, of companies that are trying to solve uh, using the blockchain and, and we read about them every day. For me, I, I want to get back to, you know, fundamentals. One of my partners says there's no fun in fundamentals, but I personally think that fundamentals are the most fun because people understand them, they will invest in them. So um, it, for me, the blockchain, the biggest use case of the blockchain is capital formation. And as you guys, you know, as the National uh, Crowdfunding and FinTech uh, Association, you understand the need, you know, how hard it is, drive, you know, capital engagement, marketplace, how to create that a market that you can get investors to come in and support your ideas. Like if you go back to 
uh, Bill Clinton's campaign. You know, I don't know if you remember James uh, Codville, um, you know, who, who was his campaign strategist, but he coined this expression, uh, which was economy stupid. That was the getting back to fundamentals. Dude, it's about the economy. I like to sometimes just turn off the hype on the blockchain and say what the blockchain does fundamentally is allows for crowd sales structure globally. Sort of its structure allows for capital formation. That is the underpinning of most of the businesses that are out there. And that's what they need to establish as a bulkhead. No matter what their you know, specific dynamic use case is on the blockchain, an ICO is about driving engagement around the investor community or about around your participants. And why is it so exciting? You guys get this, NCFA, is that a crowd sale or you know, reaching a, what we call a democratized audience has two goals. Right. One is you're going out to a global community and saying, invest in me. Right. Here's the value proposition. Here's my white paper. Here's my OM. Here's my, you know, almost prospectus style document. And I want you to invest in me at the same time, because you're not going to a hundred people to give you a million bucks. You're going to a million people to give you a hundred bucks. You're building a loyalty network of folk that believe in your solution and will use your solution. The whole crowd sale process and the capital formation process is also a way of evangelizing your solution to the marketplace and creating a network effect. And ultimately, the investor piece and you know, loyalty to your specific solutioning and your technology is like the Metcalf network effect, right? The more people you get in, the more successful you're going to be. And, and that's why we at Pegasus, we like B2B2C models because it's exponential growth, right? You're going from a, a business to another business that has a community of interest and they're amplifying your use case. So we love that network effect because it drives in investment and, and it drives in loyal supporters of your solution. The fundamentals, I, I, I really like that because there's a lot of hype behind crypto and there's a lot of hype behind any ICO that you're seeing that's up and coming. It's like, okay, well, what does it actually do? How is this going to be like an integral part of the blockchain? More, more fundamentally, how is this going to make me money? Like, exactly. Like, explain, oh, absolutely. To me, explain to me how I am going to get on a security token, a return and a utility token. How is it going to drive scarcity and value in the market? Explain to me from a fundamentals perspective, what is the team? What is the solution? How are you going to make money? Who are the initial investors and how is this going to drive democratized flood of investors to the table? What's your long-term strategy? You know, like at the end of the day, a company that is not going to make it, raising capital through a traditional means, is probably not going to make it on the blockchain. Blockchain is not a place that you can hide. It's just a way of accelerating a good business use case. And that's exciting. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I think because of blockchain, everybody's kind of getting exposed. There's a lot of light being shed and there's slim to none that you can really hide when it comes to starting a crypto, starting a blockchain company. Could you talk about regulation yep. and could this be the answer for instability and unpredictability? Uh, when we started, you know, Pegasus, I think a lot of people sort of looked at us uh, <laughs> cross-eyed, you know, and said, like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, uh, the whole beauty of the blockchain is there's no regulation. What are you doing talking about regulation? What are you talking doing talking about compliance? And we stayed the course. And, and really in 2018, moving in 2019, what we evangelized has become con practice, you know, uh, an ICO. CEO is a new asset class in the marketplace. It's different. Doesn't is you're not unlike a stock. You don't have an equity position. It's it's more you know like an investment in future success of the company, right? But uh, you know whether it be a security token, looking at the value of that token, it's a utility token. You're looking for 
potentially scarcity as a play and demand for that utility uh, that will drive up the value. But ultimately, this new asset class you know, has to be treated um, in a way that will drive confidence in, in the marketplace. If it's a security, you got to treat it as a security. If it's a, it's a utility, you still have to treat it as a compliant play. And so regulation is, is, is not only a good idea, it's an essential component to the ecosystem. Oversight is there to protect all players, right? And regulation, yes, it, it does potentially slow down certain components of the process, but it also uh, speeds up liquidity and, and it allows uh, you know, feel confident in what they do because they have been bad actors, right? There's no doubt. And so how do you navigate this marketplace? How do you know that you're swimming in a, in a pond that is, uh, that you can feel confident? The company and the stakeholders are, you know, a kosher and they're going to get, you know, screwed. So that's, regulation is important and it's, it's, it's one of our pillars, right? The key is balance. Right? So uh, to foster the libertarian values of the blockchain, you want uh, to drive a fluidity, you know, a little bit of KYC upfront, a little bit of AMS making sure that you're on the right exchange, making sure that you've done the right due diligence on the team, that they pass their pips. All of these things are fundamentals. These are fundamentals in running a company and, and the blockchain doesn't change that. I absolutely agree with you. Touch a little bit on liquidity, right? Is it crucial for crypto investors to consider liquidity? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, especially, you know, if, if you're holding a security Look, how do you make money, right? You, you, you buy something, yeah, you hope that it has a creature to value, you hope you get some sort of yield on it, some dividend, you hope that, that whatever you buy grows in value. You believe in the business, you believe in the marketplace. But that value, you know, even if you have a hardler mentality and you want to hold that as a crypto gold, at some point, you got to pay your bills. At some point, you want to cash out. At some point, you want to say, look, I've made, you know, 200%, I've made 300%, I've made a thousand percent on my investment. I want to cash out. So liquidity or the structure that facilitates liquidity is essential to consider and essential to off community. And so when you run an ICO, you have to put it on an exchange which allows for that liquidity. And so there are tons of compliant exchanges that are coming online. Uh, one that we work with very closely is the GBX, the Gibraltar Blockchain Exchange. Uh, which is a, a utility exchange. It's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange, uh, which is a compliant exchange. And, and we're one of the sponsors to that exchange. So we use that uh, exchange as a uh, marketplace for a number of our ICOs. Um, we do the due diligence, we position them, and we onboard them onto the exchange because that exchange now allows for token to trade uh, to grow in value for the investor or the participant in this situation to have some sort of creature to value and to exit that value uh, to other investments or into fiat. The world goes around, everybody's happy. Right. No, I totally agree with you. It's how can I make money, right? <laughs> if I'm going to invest in a coin that I can't pull out. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, uh, again, it's the, the, the Clinton quote. It's, it's about the economy is stupid, right? It's about Absolutely. how do I get my, make money, right? My money's valuable. Exactly, right? Tell me a little about some of the ICOs that you're watching and some of the technologies that you are kind of keeping your eye on. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we can stay all day and talk about all the different ones that, that I find interesting. But I'll, I'll, I'll mention maybe a few that are from different uh, verticals that, that I'm, I'm excited about and that, I'm, that we're participating in. 
uh, as an accelerator. Uh, there's one technology called cabin.network, cabin spelled K-A-B-N, K-A-B-N dot network. Very exciting play. Me, sometimes, you know, in the gold rush, you have to look at the picks and shovels, right? And uh, Cabin is a great play because it is, again, a fundamental technology. It allows, in a very innovative way, the market to grow, to accelerate compliance by facilitating KYC and AML. Uh, so what it does is it, it allows uh, in, participants in a token uh, sale uh, to come in, uh, to go through, you know, the compliant checks to verify their documentation in an active way, in, in a bank grade way, not only do that, but only do it once. So they hold a registry on the blockchain, which allows hundreds of thousands, if not millions of accredited investors to come in, uh, do a check, and then all an ICO has to do is go in and ping the registry, and they're either compliant or not. So instead of a lot of the solutions out there focus on um, doing a sovereign identity check uh, of the consumer. We do it once and put it in a registry so that, again, you can come back time and time again. And it allows for and facilitates the speed that we need in this marketplace. So, so that's a really great technology because it's, it's facilitating business as usual in the blockchain space. There's another, another company that is in Europe that they're working on, uh, which is called Gion, G. E-O-N dot network, uh, which is a location-based marketing uh, solution. Basically, it allows brands and uh, retailers to mint and mine coins to drive uh, their brand objectives, so to drive people into their store, to reward people based on being in a certain uh, place. And for th that's, again, business as usual. We've been using location as a way of driving value for brands for a long time, but there's no way of doing it with a blockchain layer. So these guys allow brands to participate in the blockchain, to mint and mine their own coins, and to reward their customers using uh, a blockchain currency. There's another company called Mortgage Blocks, B-L-O-X, uh, which is, um, again, uh, this is such a fundamental business. Hey, we re re raise capital to invest in real estate. Well, here's a uh, a $200 million pool that is, has been tokenized. So instead of going to one or two or a hundred investors, you can go to thousands of accredited investors and pool those funds. So again, a fantastic use of capital formation. There's a company which is a spin-off from uh, a hard fork of uh, Ripple called Yakka Labs. And so we're doing a lot of consulting with them in the Valley. Another great use case because what they're trying to do is uh, use the, the Ripple backend to create uh, a new coin, a new transactional economy for certain global marketplaces. I mean, the, the, there's so many fun and powerful use cases. Again, you know, as an investor and as an accelerator, we look for great teams. We look for really good business plans that we can see how they're going to generate uh, revenue, how they're going to scale, how they're going to use network to scale. And we know that with those fundamentals and with the compliance that we throw into these deals, we can help them reach the marketplace and hit their capital formation goals. So, you know, maybe one thing I'll mention, because it's come up recently, is people think that uh, a lot of the use cases out there are frivolous and and some of them have that have got a lot of attention over the last few months sort of waned in participation and a lot of people are sort of naysaying the blockchain and i and i'll refer to one because it was just brought up this week which is crypto kitty basically this collectible game uh where people collected literally 
kitties. Uh, we used ERC721, which is basically an Ethereum coin, uh, uh, which ha has uh, certain attributes to allow it to be a collectible. But, you know, maybe people lost interest in collecting kitties, but the whole idea of digital collectibles is a phenomenal use case. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, Pokemon on steroids and the opportunity for sports and for music to use this as a new currency to engage with their fans is phenomenal. When you look at something like CryptoKitties, you don't want to look myopically at these things. The actual content use case may have failed, but the, but the underpinnings of the technology, the underpinnings of what it can do globally to drive engagement and to make money for marketplaces that have a hard time raising money on their base, like music. Sports need to accelerate the way that it drives merch because it's cannibalized by fraudulent merch and it can't control that. Suddenly, these immutable structures like ERC721, they're going to change the way business works substantially. So I'm hugely excited at, at so many use cases out there right now. I love it. Um, I think the Gion one's very interesting. The location-based marketing is very interesting. It's something that in Toronto probably is not going to work in San Francisco because San Francisco has a certain culture or what have you covered in Toronto. So that, that's, I, I like that one. People don't change. The, the way we run businesses, the way we see value doesn't change. The mechanisms for allowing us to make money on that, the structures change. My background is in mobile technology. So uh, I made a lot of money on SMS. SMS gave birth to ringtones uh, as a content uh, uh, phenomena. Ringtones, if you remember them, uh, were just a, a little smidgen of a song. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Songs were being downloaded for free uh, on Napster, but you had to pay five bucks for a few seconds of a, uh, a cannibalized version of, uh, of, of a chorus. Why? Because they worked out a business model around uh, a closed network, which was the telecom provider and the OEM, the, the, the handset. Well, the, 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 because that business model, there were billions of dollars of, of wealth created around the world. Well, the, the blockchain is the same. Blockchain is another mechanism to create value and create uh, you know, a new distribution mechanism around that. So if you can create an immutable uh, asset class like uh, ERC721, you can really exploit that and make you know, copious amounts of value in that, um, that new model. But the, it's the same business. It's the same, at the end of the day, we're still humans. We have the same motivations. I absolutely agree with you. It's, it's like Pokemon way back when, and then when Pokemon Go came back, exact same. Could you, I guess, tell the audience a little bit more about blockchain? Right? What should we focus on? Uh, one of the big things that, that people chat about is that the technology will not scale. That's sort of a, you know, uh, a one-on-one panel at every single blockchain conference that I've gone to. You know, uh, it's not scalable. You know, look at Ethereum, look at Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, uh, 10 transactions a second, Ethereum, 25 transactions a second. And then everybody turns around to uh, looks at Visa and says, oh, well, they, they have a peak transaction rate of 5,000 transactions per second. Uh, you know, uh, we'll never get there. And I've always said, you know, this is the internet back in the late 90s, uh, you know, dial-up modems and you had these primitive browsers and you had to try and explain it to your, your mother and she didn't know what the hell you were talking about. And nothing's new. This is just another wave of technology, which we all know is accelerating much faster than the internet ever did. You know, I, I like to look at, um, you know, 
the advances that we, we've made even in the last year, like you have proof, proof of work networks, uh, you know, like um, blockchains, like through the hashing process, it, it's how they uh, achieve their desired difficulty through, through the, the random uh, you know, number hashing it is a very slow process. And we know that's not optimal you know, a sustainable network model. But you have newer chains uh, like uh, Solana that work fundamentally differently. They work by starting with a random hash value and then hashing from the prior hash value, which, which basically makes it much faster um, to get to consensus, right? And so guys like that say at least that they can, you know, do upward of, you know, 700,000 transactions per second. Uh, you know, that's, that's phenomenal. I mean, if they can do that, then they put the uh, Visa and the MasterCard networks to shame, right? So it, technology will scale. And, and because we have so many smart people that are focused on making this work. And because it's a, a trustless economy, because it's open and, and it's an open source economy, uh, it, you have so many people incentivized to make it better and work to make it better. And I think that's, that's a crucial piece um, you know, to throw out there to the audience um, yeah, I mean, well, what else to say? I mean, we all know that, that a lot of people think Bitcoin is blockchain, but we know that, that that's not the, the, the case, that blockchain is powering Bitcoin and fundamentally blockchain uh, is uh, an enabler uh, for so many other technologies. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, ultimately a, a distributed ledger technology has so much power in, in solutioning. And we talked about some of these solutions earlier scale for me i think is the big one to to nail because those are where all the naysayers go uh whenever they talk about the blockchain a lot of people may have heard of it in the news i know i've seen a couple articles here and there could you talk a little bit more of what impact investors are and i guess a little bit why it's important to you the impact investment that's a little bit like the me and we thing it's more the we like what are we doing here what what, what are the businesses we're creating how is it having impact on uh, our world? How is it having an impact on our, our uh, to better our economy, to drive sustainability, to drive, uh, you know, empowerment for women and all those things. Those are, are crucial and I think very passionate goals of a lot of people in the blockchain. I'll give you some examples of how this is going down born in, uh, in a small uh, country called Zambia. And uh, if, if you look at those economies and you look at Africa, I mean, they, there is so much graft there is so much corruption. Uh, money doesn't get where it needs to go. And even if it gets there, the processes are so cumbersome and, and there's no transparency. There is no efficiency in a lot of uh, the solutioning. Um, blockchain really can make a difference. It, it can, can help, and, and this is not just with Africa, but it can help with you know, security and transparency and voting, uh, you know, which is obviously a big thing globally, voting uh, fraud. And, and, and optimizing that process. Access and ownership of, of, of data, medical data. How do you, in a lot of these places, uh, the, the, there's no ID. So how do you identify somebody? How do you create some sovereign uh, wallet which, where, which can hold uh, their personal information so that uh, they can, the, the information can be connected to them uh, in a more efficient way? Um, Obviously, land is a big thing in Africa, so uh, reliability, uh, reliable, secure, you know, land registries are essential. Uh, and then, you know, um, the, the whole idea of, of managing money. Your audience knows about M-Pesa and other payment solutions, but in Africa, you can use your phone to transfer money through SMS. It's called M-Pesa. And uh, again, a really primitive solution that has solved 
so many problems for the continent. Um, well, those uh, digital wallets uh, using M-Pesa now can, can be on a uh, distributed ledger so that not only are you using your phone uh, to move money, but you're moving money uh, which is tokenized, which can be controlled uh, in such a way that it, it, it doesn't end up as graft. It gets directly to a farmer. The farmer uses that, uh, that there's a, um, uh, it, it doesn't get affected by the vicissitudes of, of the, um, uh, the local currency. Uh, like, this is really exciting stuff and, and empowers women because it gets to uh, farmers which are uh, in large part, you know, women in the marketplace. That's just an example from Africa, but this is happening all over the world. We're optimizing urban cities. We're creating a solutioning around, you know, microloans. Uh, I know in Berkeley in the U.S. is is trying to put together a solution to solve for solutioning around municipalities in Berkeley, uh, looking at bonds and optimizing processes. So you're taking out the gunk in the in the existing solution, and you're getting more money to the end uh, um, recipient. So so all of these the, this stuff is is part of this new economy. Uh, the the, uh, the distributed ledgers um, allow for uh, optimization of certain business processes and transparency, and and so it's a brave new world. It's, it's very exciting. So imagine using remittance services to send money from one country to another. You have to go to uh, Money Mart. Uh, you have to pay a service a fee. First of all, you have to take a time of your day to go somewhere uh, physically then you have to send money with a fee. It takes a long time to get to the other end. The end, other person has to go to the next town potentially to pick it up. They pay, there's their exchange rates. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a mess. So uh, uh, there's time and there's capital uh, impact. Well, if you're using you know, the blockchain as a remittance service, uh, there's huge efficiencies because it's instantaneous. Uh, there, there are fewer hands uh, in between to, to take fees and uh, you don't have the same issues with uh, arbitrage on uh, uh, currencies and, and so you don't get dinged on the FX. So those exciting things that, that we all know need to change and are changing uh, as we speak. I absolutely agree with you. So to wrap this up, Gary, could you give us some tips on an ICO structure? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's sort of, I guess, that's actually a really good way of summing up because really, uh, you know, all of this comes down to running uh, a, a good initial coin offering. Uh, and I talked about a lot of those elements, compliance, make sure the team, uh, it's a good team, it's a good business model, uh, it's a good uh, blockchain use case, there's a market for that use case uh, that, that uh, that you put it, uh, you, you structure it in such a way that there's liquidity for investors. All of those things are key. But, but maybe one of the things I'll leave you with then is to talk about uh, difference, uh, maybe, between uh, the, what I would run as a startup and, and, and the, how the blockchain. So for me, when I run startups the last uh, you know, 20 years, I never really cared too much about uh, the advisor uh, cohort around me. It was all about my core team. Um, but with a blockchain, things are really different. And, and this is one thing that strikes me is when somebody, at least when uh, you know, crypto investors invest in, in, a, in, a, in an ICO, you know, they may read the white paper, they'll probably actually just read the summary. Um, but they're looking for certain shorthand due diligence. 
uh, when they when they um, looking at an ICO. And then one of the things that they look at and they, there's a lot of scrutiny on is the advisors that you have in your uh, ICO. And, and it's interesting for me because it, yeah, it's important to have advisors, there's no doubt, and to have you know, good people around you in any business, no doubt. But, but for some reason uh, in the ICO world, because this is a global economy, people are moving very fast on decisioning, uh, they're looking at who's in it now. Who is advancing things? Initially, you would look at early investors in an ICO uh, that would be then advisors to the ICO as a shorthand way of, of uh, you know, seeing if they're credible and, and investing with them. But um, now, you know, I think there's a bit of more maturity. Now you're looking for advisors who explain your business that come from the vertical that you're pushing into. And, and, and that, that's all good. But it is important to build a, 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 a narrative around those advisors so that when somebody comes to your ICO and, they, and they're paging down and they see the description of the business and they, 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 they read, the again, the... The, probably the summary of the white paper and they're going through things and they get to the advisors, it needs to tell a story. And it needs to tell a story that, that really screams credibility, that shows that, that you have stakeholders in there, that not just stakeholders that have invested in you, but, uh, and that are known in the investor community, which is obviously very important, but also people who understand your business and having them attached uh, to your business uh, really speaks to uh, the credibility of your business. So, for example, if you're in location-based, you know, arena, you'd want to have people in there that really can talk to uh, retailer and brand uh, engagement. Uh, if you're in the payment space, um, entity space like Cabin, you want to make sure that you have people in there that have a background in identity, um, in record management, in payments from the incumbent world that speak to the fact that that you've nailed this. That's probably one thing that I, I, I think, it, we all know it's important, but I, I think it's probably one of the most important things in, uh, in fashioning the, your narrative to the marketplace. We could, we could speak for hours, but, but this is kind of cool and we touched on some fun things and, and hopefully uh, you'll invite me back and we can take a deep dive into some other areas. Oh, no, I can't wait. I, I'm so excited for that day. I'm uh, I'm a sponge. I want to learn as much as I can from amazing people like you in the industry. So Gary, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Um, this has been, I had an amazing time. I learned tons. I'm pretty sure the audience has learned a lot and thank you so much for dropping by and I can't wait to have you again. Yeah. And, and if I could just end off, just if anybody wants to uh, reach us and, and find out more information, just go to uh, pegasusfintech.com. So that's one word, Pegasus as, as in the flying horse. Uh, fintech.com and, and look forward to hearing from anybody. Actually, if you want to directly reach me, it's gary.schwartz at uh, pegasusfintech.com. So on the behalf of the NCFA, Canada's leading crowdfunding and fintech association, we wish you an amazing Fintech Friday and weekend.